Over the next seven weeks, we're going to take a look at seven characters of the Bible. Uh, Out of all the people who have lived on this earth, these are uh, some of them that God has chose to put their story in his word. He's put it there so that we can learn from these men and women. Uh, These men and women have varied lives, and all of them show us how God works with mankind. Six of them made a very positive difference, even though a couple of these people had some real personal issues that God was working on even while he was using them. Uh, One of them really messed things up and really caused a lot of damage when it was all said and done. We want to look at how they were shaped and what we can learn from them. We should care about them because we can learn how God relates to man and we can learn from the wise things that they did and from the foolish things that they did. And so we want to we challenge you to be with us over the next seven weeks and, and hear about these men and women. And if there's a week that you miss, get online and listen because there may be a key lesson there for you to help you grow in the things of God. Uh, today we're going to start with a guy in the Old Testament, a guy who made, who is really used of God to establish the kingdom of Israel in Canaan, uh, a guy by the name of Joshua. God really used this guy, and we're going to begin our reading today from a, a portion of his farewell address to the nation. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. And in the middle of his farewell address, or towards the end of it, he's, he gives them a challenge. Uh, he, he's kind of recapped what's happened in his life and what's happened with them, and they're all listening to him. And he's telling them, listen, I'm not long for this earth. My time's about up. There comes a time when you know that your time's about up. And he says, and he's telling them what he wants them to know. And listen to what he says. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we thank you for uh, revealing to us how you work with us. We thank you for the men and women we're going to study, the ones, Father, uh, that you, you reveal not only their, their wins, you reveal their losses. Uh, because, Father, it helps us understand that we have wins and, and you're patient with us in our losses. Help us to be a people who learn and don't repeat mistakes. And help us to be a people, Father, who build our lives on our relationship with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Joshua was not a guy that when he was born, you would have looked at him and thought, uh, if you'd have looked at his circumstances and thought, this guy is destined for leadership. And in fact, you'd, you'd have looked at him and thought, well, this guy is kind of born in a trap. He was born in Egypt. 
He was born in slavery. Uh, there, was, there seemed to be no way out for him. His future didn't look too bright. And yet in the middle of his young life, God was going to change some things. And so God sends Moses onto the picture, and Joshua gets to be a witness to the miracle of freedom. He gets to see how hard God will work on our behalf to set us free. We are a lot like him. We are born, in sla- we are born into slavery. We are slaves <clears throat> to our sin nature. And no matter how good we would try to be, no matter how much philosophy we would try to learn on our own, there's no way out. There's no way to override our sin nature. What we have today is a country of leaders, many, in many cases, who have decided they're smart enough to lead us out of the sin nature. And they're leading us right in the middle of it. Uh, they're, they're keeping us ensnared, and they're keeping people ensnared. Our future, especially our eternity, is not bright because of our sin nature. But God, in the middle of that, sends his son, and the miracle of freedom can be ours. We can be born again. For Joshua, as he saw this happen in the years ahead, Joshua would become a great man of faith. He saw what God had done, and he trusted God that he would do it again. Joshua becomes a great military leader. Joshua becomes a great spiritual leader. And if you're one who studies the Bible and understands these things, you begin to see that Joshua is a type of or an example of what Jesus does in our spiritual life, what he does, what God uses him to do physically, Jesus does for us spiritually. Joshua leads the people across the Jordan River miraculously into the promised land just like Jesus leads us from the sin nature into the kingdom of God miraculously by us putting our faith and our trust in him. But we learn that once they're in the promised land, this is a key thing to learn from Joshua, once they're in the promised land, the battle's not over. Victory is won, the promised land is, uh, is theirs, but there's still battles to fight. And the same thing is true for us. You come down to this altar, you ask Christ into your life, you receive Christ in, by faith, and guess what? There's some battles. You've entered into the kingdom. God's invited you in. You're saved in a moment, in an instant. But there are battles to be won, and if you don't fight the battles, they're going to become the, the, the places you don't fight are going to become snares to you and trouble to you in the future. And so they're sent into this place, and, and Joshua has these battles. And what God is teaching us through Joshua and through the children of Israel, is that all of these battles will be won by God as we obey him. He doesn't expect us to do a lot on our own. He expects to do a lot for us. So as they cross the Jordan, they come into the the promised land, the first stronghold they're going to face is Jericho. And as they face Jericho, God gives them a unique battle plan for the first stronghold. Just like God gives us unique battle plans, this is why you need to read the Word so you can know the battle plans God will give you. 
He gives them this unique battle plan. They're supposed to go out, you know, once a day and march around the city. Then they're supposed to go out the last day and march around seven times and blow trumpets, and God's going to give them the victory. And sure enough, the walls of Jericho crumble, and they rush in and have this mighty, mighty victory because they obeyed God, and the battle was won. So now they're feeling pretty good about themselves. God has helped them win this battle. They haven't had to do much except do some marching. And uh, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And they, they're about to learn a very, very key lesson that's important to us. Because they look down the road and they see this smaller stronghold, the city of Ai. And, uh, and they, they kind of look and the, the, the guys who spy it out say, you know, there's really no reason to wear everybody out. Just send a few of us down there. We'll take care of these guys, no problem. And they go down there, and they get whooped. And they get whooped bad. This is extremely bad news. Because right up until this time, everybody in Cana feared them. And they, they, they felt victory because of that fear. They felt like everybody would fall before them, that that fear was part of what God had done, had given them a fear of them. And now they said, listen, they're not going to fear us anymore. They're going to gang up and attack us. What are we going to do? What's going to happen uh, now? Israel's been defeated. And it's interesting to note what, what Joshua did. Joshua, the Bible says, when he gets the news he immediately falls on his face before God. All the elders immediately fall on their faces before God. And they stay there until evening. They're saying, God, we're in trouble. We've been defeated. What's going to happen next? What's going on here? We need you. You promised us this promised land. What is the deal? And in the middle of that, as evening came, it was revealed that someone at Jericho had disobeyed God. Jericho was the first fruits of God's promise. They're coming into the promised land. God's telling them, told them, listen, all the abundance of what you see here is going to be yours, but Jericho is mine. It was the first fruits. Everything at Jericho, he said, belongs to me. Don't keep anything for yourself. Don't keep anything for yourself. It all belongs to me. But this guy uh, named Achan saw some things he liked, and he kept it for himself. See, first fruits is a recognition of God being our source. And to keep it is to deny that God is our source. And so it is denying God's work in our life. God has just won the victory for them. They've just seen the walls crumble so they can rush in. And now this guy, by his action, is saying, God's not really a part of this picture. He's not really important in this. So when Israel goes out to fight Ai with the idea that God would give them victory, they didn't know that they'd broken covenant with God, and so that's why they lose the battle. Here's one of our first lessons. God will fight our battles. God will overcome strongholds in our life that we think are impossible to overcome. He will, he will take things that we look and we don't see how it could happen, and he will make it happen. That's the whole story of Jericho. 
We can't take this city. It's too big. It's got strongholds that are too strong. We can't tear down these walls. We can't do it. It's too big for us. We can't see how the victory is going to happen. And God's saying, I'm, I'm going to give you a weird way for this to take place. Just go walk around it for a while. And then blow the trumpets and praise men. And guess what? You know, I'm going to win the victory for you. God does things in ways, and he does things that we can't, we, we don't look at them in the natural and think they're possible. And that's the lesson of Jericho, is he will do things. He will win victories for us that don't seem possible. He will fight our battles, but, but, we have to be walking in obedience. The only way God's going to fight the battle is if we have him in the right place in our life, and we're walking in obedience to him. We can't win our, our victories. Here's the, here's the lesson of I. We can't win our, vict- our, our battles and win the victories even when it looks easy without God. Even we think, oh, we don't, I don't even need to put a lot of effort into this. I can do this. I, I got this. God say, no, you don't. You don't have anything unless I got it. If, 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 if I got it, there's nothing too big for you to... For you to for you, that you're going to stand before, if you got it, there's nothing too small for you to take. That's the lesson of I. Nothing too small. Everything will whip you. You need me. This is this walk of faith, and this is the lesson that they were learning. I don't know how many times as a pastor people have come up wanting prayer. There's some issue in their life. They want to get straightened out. The kids aren't acting right. Their spouse isn't acting right. They're you know, their career isn't going right. Everything around them is kind of a mess or a lot of things around them are a mess or a big thing around them is a mess. Uh, you know, they, they, want, they want God to step in and they want him to keep their, his promises. You know, Pastor, God's promised this. And, you know, they, they want him to fight their battles, but they don't want to personally obey God. They want to personally not do what he says. They want to keep the first fruits. They want to live life their own way. They don't want to obey God, but they want God to move. And it just, I'm just not, it's just not going to work. That's not the way God deals with us. Joshua's first response in the face of defeat was to fall on his face and pray. And it was there that God revealed the sin. So listen, if you are living in defeat where there is a promised victory, God's promise through his word to you a victory, but all you're getting is defeat. God's promise to you an outcome. God's whispered in your heart his intent for your life. And right now, all you're facing is defeat. Friends, you need to seek out why. Because God knows the answer. Joshua didn't say, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to send a bunch more people down there tomorrow. No, God, Joshua said, uh-oh, God, what did we do wrong? God, what's wrong? Joshua didn't come up with some other plan. God, Joshua knew he needed God. And for some reason, Joshua knew he could send one guy down against the eye and beat all of them if God was in it. He knew he didn't need anybody. But he knew that if he sent everybody, if God wasn't in it, they were in trouble. Joshua had learned some lessons. And then he knew something needed to get straightened out. So if you're living someplace where there's a promise of God and it's not happening, where you're living in defeat, 
where you should be living in a promise, this land was theirs. It was the promised land. We have a promised land. We have the promises of the Bible that are ours to have. And if we're not having them, it's not because God is too weak. It's not because God doesn't want us to have them. He's promised them to us. We need to go get them. We need to obey him, but we need to make sure we find out what's wrong. What are we doing wrong? Now, here's the mistake we make. Well, it must be somebody else is doing something wrong. Now, the first thing I do is, what am I doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? Now, friend, we could talk for weeks about Joshua. Uh, but today, I, I want to hit just a couple of highlights that, I, that as I've studied his life over the last several months, uh, really began to jump off the page and began to, began to come clear. We could, there's a lot of things we could talk about as, as I was praying, God, what are the things you really want me to share? These are, the, these are the ones I really want you to hear. Here's lesson number one. Joshua had a mentor. Joshua had somebody that he was looking to to teach him what to do. Today you might call him a coach. We're not told in the Scripture who sought out who in this story. We're not told whether, you know, Moses you know, was looking around and saying, you know, I need somebody to really mentor here. Uh, who looks good? Hey, this Joshua kid looks pretty good. Bring him up. I'll, tell, I'll bring him under my... We don't, we, we don't know if Joshua was just kind of a hungry young guy who said, I, I want to be, I wanna be a, a man. I'm going to go pursue Moses and get next to him. And, and, and the doors just kind of... We don't know how that happened. We see in the Bible it happens both ways. There are times when, uh, when, when, a, when a young guy with a call God seeks out a leader and begins to be led. There's many times where God sends a leader like Samuel to David, and says, go seek them out. I've got my hand on this one. Go find them. Like Jesus with the 12 disciples. He goes up on the mountain and he prays. He comes back and he, he, you know, he gets volunteers. As my dad used to say, the old Marine Corps way, I need three volunteers, you, you, and you. Uh, this is, I was that volunteer a lot of times in, in, in my home growing up. We don't know which one happened with Joshua. That's how Jesus came down to it. I'm going to take you 12 right here. You're all going to come with me. But what happened is someplace in, 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 in this setting, he becomes a person who sees Moses and is in a relationship with Moses as a leader. We find that by, when he was a young man, Numbers 11 tells us that from a very early age in life, he becomes an aide to Moses. And as you read this story, it's, it's, it's really uh, not a very American story. It's not, it's not who we are naturally as Americans. First of all, he admired Moses. He, just, he admired him. You never in any of the passages of Scripture ever find Joshua saying anything derogatory about Moses. It's not happening. Now listen, he was in a time when there was a lot of derogatory things being said about Moses. Moses was dealing with rebellion all the time. His own, his own brother and sister rebelled against him at one point in time. All this stuff's going on in Moses' life. Joshua never goes there. The other thing we learned about Joshua is he defended Moses. 
when the rebellious things would happen, when things would take place, Joshua would step up in between Moses and the people. Joshua would stand right next to him. He defended Moses. The third thing we learn is that he followed Moses. When Moses went on the mountain to receive the law, he's going to be up there for 40 days. Only Joshua was allowed to go with him. Only Joshua was able to, to walk up to that place with him. If Moses said, let's do this, Joshua was there. If Moses said there's a battle to fight, Joshua was there. It was Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. He followed Moses. If Moses said it, we don't find him questioning it. We find him doing it. He learned from Moses. When Moses would go into the tent of meeting, when it was uh, from Joshua, when he would go into the tent of meeting, uh, when he would go into that place, he would go into this tent of meeting and pray, and the power of God would fall, and Moses would finally leave the tent of meeting. Joshua, the Bible says, would stay. Moses wanders off. Joshua says, I want some more of this. Now, he understood the role Moses played in his life. He understood the role Moses played in the kingdom. And so he saw Moses through those eyes. So here's one of the key questions we need to ask ourselves. Who is the person God has placed in your life to coach you? Maybe, maybe there's been people in your past. I'm telling you, my dad's been gone 11 years. There's still many, many times I think about, what would my, God, what would my dad do about this? What would he say about this? I have other people in my life to this day. What, what, what would they say about this? Well, I need to call them and talk to them. Who are the people in your life that God has placed in your life to disciple you, to coach you, to help you? It's, it's interesting to take note. Joshua, as you read the book of Joshua, he did not have the big rebellion problems that Moses had with the people. Over and over again, while Moses is in the, the, the desert, these guys are flipping out and doing weird stuff. They've learned nothing, and Moses is having to deal with it. He ends up in the desert for 40 years be, more because of their rebellion. Joshua never has that problem. I, I, I think some of that comes back to a very key principle of God. We reap what we sow. And Joshua never sowed rebellion. The person you listen to the most, the person that has the biggest impact on you, the person that you'd like to be like, what is their heart for God? Listen to me, friends. The enemy of our souls sends people into our life who will be fun, funny, admirable in many ways because he wants to use them to deceive our lives. In our culture today, there are some very popular men and women. They're easy to watch and listen to. They're funny. They're entertaining. They're winsome. And the devil's using them to mislead our nation. Their value, their core values of who they are are wrong. And we better be smart enough to tell who the, the difference. So who are the people in your life 
Who are the people that God's brought into your life? Here's a couple of key lessons from Moses. When he tried to deliver Israel on his own strength, remember when he tried to do that? He's a young man, and he comes out, and he sees his people are being mis, mis, uh, you know, abused, and he kills this, this guy, who's, this soldier who's abusing his people. What happens? He fails on his own strength. He fails in his own wisdom. He ends up 40 years out in the desert on his own being taught by God how to be a good shepherd. When Moses tried to deliver Israel through God's power, when he began to recognize, I can't do this, I don't have the power to do this, I'm not smart enough to do this, guess what happens? He succeeds. When he recognizes his full need for God, he succeeds. Joshua never forgot his need for God's blessing because he learned it watching Moses. I believe God places people in our lives. He brings people into our lives at key times that are supposed to be people who help us fully become what we're supposed to be in God. But as Americans, we have this tendency to judge them and instead of seeing them for the role they're supposed to play in our life. As Americans, we are fiercely independent. However, as Christians, we need to see our need for others and the call for others to speak into our life, especially the need to learn and to grow. And the best way to do that is not by experiencing things ourselves, but learning from other people's experiences. You know, none of us want to build a house and just go, hey, have you ever built a house? No, would you build one for me? Just go ahead. You're going to learn some sorry lessons that way, friend. No, we want to find somebody who's a master builder, and we want them to build our house. And we, but we miss that sometimes as, as, as Christians, that we need to be able to see uh, we, we need to be able to see others and, and let them help us grow in spite of the person's weaknesses. So get this, except for Jesus. There's only one exception to this rule. Except for Jesus, all leaders are flawed. You get close enough to any leader, and they're flawed. I learned as a kid growing up in church with my dad being pastor, and would have great men and women of God come in, and I'd be around for about a half an hour and say, hey, uh, they're not the same back here in the back room as they are on the platform sometimes. You know, that, that's one thing that people were really impressed with my dad. They say, you know what, what you get on the platform, you get off the platform. Now, listen, you say, oh, that's terrible. No, sometimes it's just flaws. Sometimes it's just a flaw. Not a big deal. There's a big difference between a flawed leader and a morally corrupt leader. A morally corrupt leader has to be dealt with. A flawed leader, that may not be my role to deal with that at all. And Joshua understood. He understood. He never saw that it was his role to change Moses. He saw that it was Moses' role to change him. Moses was God's job. Moses wasn't Joshua's job. Joshua understood his place. 
And I want to tell you, if you're going to, if you're going to become the man or, man or woman of God that he wants you to be, you need some people that you're not looking for their flaws. You're looking for what God's brought them into your life to feed you. You may run across a flaw every now and then, and you just got to say, that's not my problem. It's not my problem. That's up to God. That's up to their leader to deal with. I'm just here to learn from them. And you're going to go a lot farther if you can do that. Now, we're not talking about moral corruption here. We're talking about somebody that's got a problem. And it's not fully there yet. Now, here's the second thing we learned from Joshua. Joshua was a man of faith. A man of faith is simply someone who takes God at his word. If God says it, he's going to believe it. The difference between Joshua and, mo- and almost really all the people of his generation that came out of Egypt with him except for Caleb was how, it was how they learned from the past. The people of his generation, every time they faced a problem, every time they faced a challenge, every time things weren't going their way, they threatened God, they threatened to go back to, to Egypt and back into slavery. They would ask, they questioned, why did God bring us out here? They were freaking out all the time. All the, to, the, to the point that they get to the promised land and they won't go in and they end up for 40 years out in the desert until that whole generation dies. Except for Joshua and Caleb. The people, every time they faced a problem, they freaked out. Joshua, when he faced problems, he leaned on the past to see what God would do in the future. Have you learned that lesson when you face a problem? Hey, wait a second. You know, this isn't, this isn't going so well right now. What's God done for me in the past? What's God promised to me in the past? What's God done for other people in the past? You know, if he did that for them, he'll do it for me. If he did that for me back then, he'll, he'll take care of this. He'll, he'll take care of this. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that was sent into the promised land. And when 10 of them come out, they come out and they go, there are giants in there. There are the walled cities in there that are big and huge that we can't, we can't take. And there's a lot of them. If we go in there, we're going to be destroyed. Caleb and Joshua go in. They see the same thing. They come back, hey, there's giants in there. There's walled cities in there. There's, they're, they're big cities. There, there's a lot of them in there. But God has promised us the victory. Let's go. There's a difference between the person who leans on faith as to what God says and the person who questions everything that God says. Yes, you're going to have to face some walled cities sometimes. Yes, you're going to have some trouble sometimes. It's just God's way of him showing us how to have victory, of learning to trust in him. So the question we have to ask is how do we see our problems? Through the eyes of question are the eyes of faith. One path leads to the desert. One path leads to the promised land. Do I have to spell it out any clearer than that? Now, Joshua made two big mistakes. One is, is what we call the Gibeonite deception. 
Sometimes you read, a, you read a, a, a book like this and God says, kill all of them. And we go, wow, that's pretty. I thought God was a God of love. No, God is a God of love. God is also, don't ever forget this, he's also a God of judgment. We need the Old Testament to remind us that in this age of patience and grace that we live in, don't ever forget God is a God of judgment. He's going to judge us. We're going to stand before him someday. You're going to stand before him someday. In fact, the children of Israel stayed in Egypt until the sin of Canaan, the Bible says, became fully ripe. What's it mean? It means that it it came to this place where God recognized they're never going to turn from this. it's It's like the children of Noah's day. This group right here is so bad, there's nothing left. They will never change. They will never turn from this. I've given them every opportunity Now it's judgment. And God waited for that time with Canaan. So this, when we look at some of these harsh things that God says, it's God being a judge. God looking at the heart of men and saying, there's nothing left for me to do here except to judge this. And the judgment was, listen, they were sacrificing their children on, on altars to their gods. Their worship was filled with prostitution and sexual immorality. It was a, it was a train wreck. And so now they're, they're in this promised land. And the Gibeonites are smart enough to realize we're in big trouble. And so they come to Joshua and they pretend that they've come from a long way away. They've got moldy bread, their, their wine jugs are, 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 look old and, and broken up, their clothes look wore out, they, you know, they, they look like they've traveled from a long way. They say, hey, we've heard about the greatness of what God's done for you and how great you are, and they, they flatter them and tell them how wonderful they are. We've come from a long way. We're not in the promised land. We're someplace else, but we're going to be your neighbors when you take it all, and we want to make a treaty with you that you'll never wipe us out. And they pretended. And in Joshua chapter 9, it says, so some, so some men took some of their provisions. So they took a look at everything. And they said, yeah, this looks right. It looks like they're from a long way away. But here's the key passage, verse 14. But they did not ask counsel from the Lord. This was the error. So Joshua says, and Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. What they find out is they're in the next city down the road. That's what they find out later. But God makes them keep their word, and they become a thorn in their flesh, a problem to them for years to come. Here's the lesson. Just because something looks good to you doesn't mean it is good. That college scholarship that your kid has that looks really good doesn't mean it is good. Doesn't mean that's where he's supposed to go, where she's supposed to go. Be careful. Just because everybody else is sending their kids there and it seems good to them may not be good for your kids. Just because that job offers more money and the hours look better doesn't mean it's, doesn't mean it's the answer. Just because that guy's handsome or that girl's good looking 
And they're willing doesn't mean they're the right person. Listen, just because something looks good doesn't mean it is good. Just because it looks right doesn't mean it is right. And the failure that they made at that point is they didn't ask God. They got to looking at everything. It all looked good to them. So the lesson's really simple. Always inquire of God. God, you want me to do this? God, is this right? Am I going down the right path? God, am I hearing from you? What are the others who are praying saying to me? What are other people saying to me that love, love you? What's going on? Am I hearing you or am I on my own? That was one of the lessons we learned from Joshua's mistake. His second lesson, Judges chapter 2. Joshua has died. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. The Bible doesn't tell us why. We see how God prepared Joshua to be the next leader after Moses. But for some reason, after Joshua, the next leader wasn't in place. They hadn't passed it on. They hadn't told the stories the way they were supposed to tell the stories. They hadn't reminded the next generation of how God had moved in their life. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, listen to me. You need to take time to tell your kids and your grandkids your story. They need to know how God worked in your life. They need to know where you came from and say, well, hey, I came from a Christian home. They knew, then, then where did your parents come from? Where did their parents? They need to hear how God's moved in your life. They need to hear the stories and know how, how God has, has, has moved in your life. They need to hear the times that God has interceded in your life and intervened in your life and the places where you came to a point where you said, I've got to make a decision to follow after God. And listen, when I was 15 or when I was 17 or when I was 22, I came to this pivotal moment in life and I decided to follow after God, and this is what God's brought about in my life. Or, boy, I went for about five years, and I ignored God. And let me tell you about the train wreck that was. That was a whole lot of pain nobody wants. They need to hear your story. We need to be preparing the next generation. We need to be looking at them and telling them. In our homes and in our church, it is imperative that we pass along our faith in God. So how important is faith in your home? Is it a common conversation? Do you share, share the story or are you passing it along? Okay. That's a challenge today. Here's the third thing we can learn from Joshua. Joshua had a word. Joshua had a word. When I was a young man, I got a word. I remember I was, I was doing a lot of traveling. I was at different places, and God gave me. I, I was at a camp. I'd been speaking at the camp, had a good things there, and I was sending kids home from that camp, knowing back then you didn't have Facebook, you didn't have all the social media, knowing I, was, I wasn't going to ever see most of these kids ever again, and feeling the frustration of that. 
And I remember sitting in that moment going, I'm not a, I'm not a traveling, I'm a pastor. And I remember praying about that and saying, you know what I want to do? I want to build a New Testament church. Not a denominational church, not an independent church. I'm not trying to climb some denominational corporate ladder. I want to build a church, a people of faith who trust God's Word, a people who love, who care about other people and show it in their actions, a people of service who serve their community and serve their generation, and a people of generosity that will be conduits of God's blessing. I got that Word, and that Word has stayed with me from that day to this day. Whenever anything else comes up in my life, I ask myself, does this help me keep that Word I don't want to be about anything else. I want to call you to be this people of faith and this people of love and a people of service and a people of generosity. You're going to find life to the full in the middle of it. You're going to find the blessing of God in the middle of it, and we're going to shake our city if we'll do this together. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses is talking to Joshua, and he says, and I commanded Joshua at that time. See, what, what's happened is he's just... He's just done one of these things with Joshua where there were these two kings that were coming to attack Israel while they were passing through, and they're going to come and try. And he says to Joshua, go out and beat them. And Joshua goes out, leads the army, goes out and destroys these two kings. And so now Joshua's back, and Moses calls him in, and he says, I commanded Joshua at that time, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. You've seen it. Now tie this together. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms in which you are crossing. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. This is the first time of about a half a dozen times that are going to follow where God gives that word to Joshua. Joshua's word was fear not. Fear not. God was preparing Joshua to part rivers. God was, was preparing him to march around cities. God was preparing him to fight battles. God was preparing him to lead spiritually. And this word comes to him time and time again. Fear not. At the end of Moses' life, he gathers the people together. He knows God's told him your days are just about done. He gathers everybody together, and he's giving them one last. He's giving it to them one more time. This great leader is telling this people, here's who you are. Here's what you've got to be. Here's what you've got to do. There's blessing and obedience. There's curses and disobedience. Follow the Lord. And then he calls, Mo, uh, calls Joshua up in front in the sight of all the people, and he's standing there in front of this huge congregation congregation of people and he looks at him and he says be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give to them and you shall put them in possession of it he's telling him what he's called to do it is the Lord who goes before you he will be with you he will not leave you or forsake you and listen do not fear or be dismayed What's he saying? You're going to see some things. You might, you might get a little scared. You may face some things. You may go, oh, what is this? All? Don't go there. 
Don't go there. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. God's with you. God's with you. Shortly after that, that Moses dies. Now Joshua's the leader. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And God shows up and talks to Joshua. And he says to him in verse 9 of Joshua, the whole first chapter of Joshua is God talking to, talking to him. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is Joshua's word. You've got to go face some things. There's some cities in there. There's some enemies in there. There's some things that, but don't, don't, don't freak out about this. Don't be afraid. There's a river you've got to cross tomorrow. Don't be freaked out. Just start walking towards it. I'm going to open that puppy up for you. I'm going to dry out the land, and you're going to march into the land, sleeve the ark down there in the middle of the river until you get through. I say, leave my presence there because my presence is going to get you across that river. My presence is going to lead you into the kingdom. Don't be fearful. Don't be dismayed. What battle are you called to today? Maybe you're called to raise a family in a secular generation to love and serve God, and you're trying to figure your way through it. Maybe you're called to raise a family alone. Maybe dad's left or mom's left. And it'd be easy to think, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. Maybe you're, you're, you're called to walk forward after the death of a loved one. You're filled with the grief and the sorrow of that loss. You don't know what your life's going to count for. You can't even imagine life without them. Maybe you're facing a failure. You failed in some way. So they're going, what's next? <laughs> Maybe you've, you've got the defeat of an addiction in your life that holds and controls your life. Maybe God's calling you to go on a missions trip. And you're going, I don't know how I can raise the money for that. I don't know if I want to go. If I get there, I don't know what I'll do. This is scary. I'm going to be go where? I'm going to do what? I'm going to have to share my testimony with who? Maybe God's just calling you to be a better witness to your friends. He's calling you to step it up. He's calling you to start speaking up. Maybe he's called you to get involved in a ministry. You've been holding back because... Well, I don't know if I can do that or not. I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't know if, if I'll have success in, in that or not. Maybe God is calling you to use your retirement to touch other people's lives, to help the church become stronger. Be able to say, say you know what, I, I, I worked all those years. I now have this retirement. Can I give a day a week? Can I give a week, a, a, a two days a week? What can I give to... Help make other people's lives better. Maybe God's calling you to go into ministry. Maybe he's putting his hand on He's been stirring the back of your heart, and you know it. Nobody else knows it. He's been saying, my hand's on you. I want you to be a pastor someday. My hand's on you. I want you to be a missionary someday. 
And it's time to start marching towards the river. It's time to start moving and circling that city and saying, God, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm going to trust in you. Have you heard the word of God for you? You need to hear the word of God for you. Now, I'm going to guarantee you, this is what the word of God is not. The word of God is not, I just want you to sit in the church every Sunday morning and do nothing and watch everybody else. Be a nice person and show up whenever you feel like it. That's not God's. God doesn't call us to the sidelines. You know, I, I say this all the time. I'd remind you of it again today. God, you know what we call God's retirement parties? You know what we call those? Funerals. That's what we call those. Until that day happens, God's got something for you to do. What is it at this stage of your life? What is it at this time in your life? What is it? What is the purpose in your life? Get about doing it. Oh, it's a walled city. It looks scary. There are giants in the land. There's a lot of them in there. I'm not going to be able to do this. No, you're not going to be able to do it. That's, that's, that's a good thing to realize. You can't do it. He can. He'll use you. He'll go with you. And like he says the most, do not be fearful. Do not be dismayed. Tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. This is the message God sends to us. He puts his call on What does Jesus say to us? He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you to the end of the age. We have a promise. He'll be with us to the end of the age. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater. Not equal to, not hopefully he can take this thing on. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If we're living in defeat, we're not living in defeat because he can't win the victory. We're living in defeat because we don't choose to walk in the victory. God will help you overcome. This is this a good word? Amen. Bless the Lord. Joshua left a message. In that farewell address, he kind of wraps this thing up, and he says, listen, choose you this day whom you will serve. Make a choice. He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. As I came to this part and was preparing this message, uh, I sit in my office saying, okay, God, how do you, what do you want to do? And, and God laid something on my heart. And, uh, and, and I immediately went, oh, God, that's, that's not, you know, that's going to leave some people out. And God says, oh, I want to do something special today. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Here's my appeal today before we pray. You're the head of a household. Maybe you're, you know, a brand new married couple. You're just figuring this thing out. Maybe you've been married 50 years. 
Maybe you're married and your kids are still all around. They're growing up around you. Maybe you're a single mom. Husband's gone. You're the head of the household. Maybe you're a single person living out on your own and you're the head of your own household. You're just it. Here's what I want to challenge you to do today. To take a step of faith and to say to God, God, I choose today to serve you. As for me and my house, we're going to serve you. And if that's you today, if you're the head of that household, that's you today. As we sing this song, I want you to step out and come down to the front. If that's not you, just cheer for those who are coming. So right now, in Jesus' name, if you're saying to the Lord, Lord, today, I want to declare one more time, as for me and my house, I will serve you. Come. I want to speak for just a moment before we go to those around the altar, and I want to speak to those in the congregation. Maybe you're standing out there and you've seen a a mom or a dad or a husband or somebody step out and walk down to the front and in the back of your head you're going yeah right now the enemy's just kind of going listen we're flawed leaders the difference between flawed leaders and and morally corrupt leaders just because a leader has some flaws doesn't mean they're not the leader because none of us are not flawed. Only Jesus isn't flawed. We, if we had to wait for an unflawed leader, we just got to wait till Jesus comes back as we're, we're flawed. You've got to choose to say, I, I'm going to accept that leadership. I'm going I'm I'm to take the mountains with them. I'm going I'm to attack the cities with them. I'm going I'm to go with them. You got to choose. Not, not that you're going to make them into new creatures. You're going to let God, you're going to pray for them. God makes them into new creatures. Amen? Now, around this altar, listen. Joshua gives this really clear lesson to them before he leaves. And if you read the passage we read at the beginning, he says, serve God, first of all, with sincerity. What does that mean? Is God... A, Whatever you want, I want. God, whatever you say, I'm for. Just sincerely, I'm going to serve you. And if flaws come around, things happen, I'm sincerely serving you. Serve God with sincerity. And serve God courageously. You know, serve Him courageously. So what that means, what that tells us is we serve Him, what, what we learn, in faith. God said it, I believe it. God told me to live it this way, I believe it. God says this is sin, I believe it. God says, this is righteous. I believe it. I'm going to serve God, create whatever God's word says. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Now, I would advise you to get the word. Say, God, what's the word? Maybe it's from years ago. Maybe it's from yesterday. But get that word from God for you and hold on to it. Hold on to it. Grab a hold of God. What's your word for me? Maybe it's, I, I want you to be a dad that impacts your family for the glory of God's kingdom. Maybe it's, I want you to be, lead a Sunday school to God. So I want you to read the small group. Or I, I want you to come into ministry. I, grab a hold of God's warning. Or grab a hold of it and start marching around the city, friend. Begin the, begin the conquest. 
And, and finally, I don't care how old you are or how young you are, get your eyes up and look around and say, who is supposed to be influenced me? Who has influenced me? Who's supposed to influence me? Who am I supposed to look to? Because as you look at them, others are going to look at you. Find that person and start watching. Get close and start watching. Amen? Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, we just come here today around this altar, heads of households, to say, we want to serve you. We want our house to serve you. In the middle of a, of a generation that's heading full steam the other way, we're going to go against the current. We're going to follow you. So, Lord, pour your strength in us. Give us new wisdom, wisdom, new vision, new purpose in you, new ways of dealing with things. Father, let us not be taught by the world, but let us be taught by you. For, Father, the victory is in you. We recognize that we can't beat the smallest opponent without you but we can't lose the largest one with you so help us father to walk in your spirit in jesus name amen and amen listen the next several weeks we're going to talk about some more guys you're going to learn more stuff about how god moves in people's lives and how he wants to move in ours this is going to be an exciting seven weeks let's grow in the things of god let's worship him one more time before we go